The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about all the crazy shifts going on in the world of HR recruitment and business. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm joined again in the studio by my co-host, Keith Compagna, uh, and our sponsors are Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. Uh, we've got a good friend and colleague uh, who I met a few weeks ago. I've been reading his stuff for a while. Ben Eubanks will be our guest. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence for HR and a whole bunch of other things. We've got a couple of really cool topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben and I had a warm-up uh, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, uh, LinkedIn Live. Um, we'll have the link in in the uh, in the blog post and everything that you can you can hear a little bit more about that. Um, we're going to be talking about um, just what's going on. Uh, Keith, you came in today and said, "What's going on in my world?" And it's like nonstop. I got a big reunion coming up this weekend, yeah. uh, and I uh, was I was doing uh, using some of my video skills. Once again, humans yeah. and technology. Yeah. How do we make them work? Right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've been doing. Uh, actually, created a video uh, of that and. Uh, you know, always, always learning with that, but it's and uh, and that's one of my topics for the fall. A couple sessions we're talking about how to use video in recruitment, yep. Yep. Uh, because it's it's definitely hot in digital recruitment. Yep. Uh, did an interview yesterday uh, for the Atlantic Small Business Network. Uh, it'll be online. Uh, really excited about that. Um, you know, it's funny. Every interview starts. Every interview starts out the same. Uh, you know, we we're in the Atlanta metropolitan area it's really tough to find people here mm-hmm. and you know then i talked to you know I'm, I'm, i'll be in and, and ben will be able to share some of these um you know i'll, I'll be in uh, san antonio i'll be in dallas I've, I've been in san diego um i'm in new jersey uh we're sitting in the lehigh valley every place you go talks about how difficult it is to find people everybody thinks it's a regional problem everybody thinks it's an industry specific problem um, everybody thinks, oh, we're just a small business problem. It's just small because we're a small business, large business. Um, I don't know when everybody's going to get it, but it's 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 a universal problem, and it's not a problem just in the U.S. No, 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 no. I was uh, I was on the phone. I had two conference calls yesterday: one South Africa, one in Israel. And the the individuals I was talking to there, uh, CEOs, CMOs, you know, they're they're dealing with this, and it, and it makes it even harder for those smaller companies that are looking to grow. Because they have to not just, it's no, no longer the idea of looking for somebody. You have to be a sniper. You, you just can't like put something out there right. because it's, it's hard to you know, thin the herd so you could find who's real and who's not in the internal process. But it's, it's you know, maybe a yeah. factor of 10x getting somebody to recognize you and then because they're too busy. Right. They've got their own reunions and kids to raise. <laughs> well, you know, I just and, and there's so there's so many dynamics of this and there's not one solution. We you know, my whole spiel is having a better candidate experience. And the mm-hmm. only way you can do that is what we'll be talking with Ben a little bit about is how to rely on 
on technology, sure. whether it's whether it's artificial intelligence or not, whether it's just HR technology, to help make better decisions, to stop doing all the kind of the repetitiveness, uh, any administrative tasks. People people have their jobs and they have their task list and they go down that list and they go, well, this is, I'm so busy, I, I can't, I, I don't have time to do. The, the good stuff and, right. and they're going to have to figure that out because most not everybody but most people who have the skills that they need already have a job there are a lot of people looking for other jobs which is good news but they're looking for better opportunities yeah. and companies either don't sell themselves on those opportunities uh or uh they're just doing a crappy job finding right. the people or right. if the people come to them they they turn them you know basically they turn them away because of some obscene application right. process right it's it, it, even when i was at jobvite it blew my mind just how much um importance people gave their applicant tracking system process instead of the actual applicants and the candidates, and and, yeah. and this is almost beating a dead horse at this point. But you and I can't. I'm going to ask Ben this at some point in the next 40 minutes. But what's the end game here? What does that look like to somebody who's actually ahead of the curve? I like to, you know, we were commenting earlier about how it feels kind of cool to be recognized as someone who's ahead of the curve with this stuff. And then I'm getting the I'm starting to get the kind it's of also scary too. Sure, <laughs> when, when we think cliff. we're ahead of the curve. <laughs> right, right. Well, what does it say about the whole thing in general? Right. It's a good thing we have other smart. Yeah. Unfortunately, is a low bar, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, what's it going to take for any one business leader inside of any one business in almost, I guess, every industry to realize, hold on, you got to change gears or you're going to be, as Zig Ziglar said, right? Uh, what does he say? Something about those was he even who alive are, when you were young? He was. He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listened. I listened to the old guys. If you haven't noticed, must <laughs> be on cassette tape. Right. It was a CD. Right. What's he say? He says those who are unwilling to change will find themselves wonderfully prepared in a world that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. That's right? been said a number of times. And here we have AI today. We're talking about that, and it, and it doesn't get much faster. When you're talking about the thinkers, talking about thinking, making thinking actions, and that's the computers taking over. Yeah. So right before the show started, we were just kind of catching up with Ben a little bit right before. And I was just about to say, and then uh, our music came on. Right. Um, I watched a video yesterday or the day before um, from David Green, who's mm -hmm. really a super guy on people analytics. Mm -hmm. um, and I've mentioned him over and over again. If, if, if listeners are not subscribed to his uh, newsletter, uh, especially once a month, he puts out, here's the best reads of the month. So it's a summary of people analytics nice. and, and, you know, some of it's pretty deep and it may be over the heads, but, uh, other than that, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, and then he, he, um, was interviewing David, Dave Ulrich, who's been around for years. And uh, I can't remember, is he the godfather of HR, modern HR or something? He, there's right. some titles he's given, like the millennial and the baby boomer body. He just does a, he, he's, he's, he talks about modern HR. Um, super interview. I, I highly recommend everybody listen to it. But he, there was a great line in there. And this will be our segue to get to Ben. Yeah. Is HR technology is not about HR. Ooh. And it, it goes back to how does that relate to business outcomes? Um, so you, what you said earlier about having an applicant, everybody gets sucked up at the applicant processing system. Oh, we're going to switch. We're going to get a new vendor. This one's going to include payroll. Everybody's looking at HR technology as the solution. 
And the reality is it's not about, I, I love that line, yeah. HR technology is not about HR, which is a perfect segue to bring in Ben Eubanks. Um, ben uh, is the author of uh, Artificial Intelligence for HR. I met Ben a few months ago at mm -hmm. Sherm Talent, and uh, we hooked up again at Sherm National or Annual, and uh, we, we chatted on the LinkedIn Live. We're back and forth all the time on messaging now. Yeah. We get some ideas. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you, gentlemen. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, Ben, um, you have your company is Lighthouse. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to interchange research and advisory or advisory and research. Lighthouse so, research and advisory. advisory. LHRA. Okay, I was right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Uh, so we're, we're you know you heard the lead in, um, mm -hmm. and um, you know we we, we sort of throw, threw around the term emotion, artificial intelligence. So I want to start there because there's so much confusion about it and uh, you have a great kind of i guess i won't say explanation or description of it but uh kind of overview of of relating this uh, my question is, is how would you describe ai to my 94 95 year old mother oh goodness gracious <laughs> and that may be impossible that may be an impossible task but all right give, give it your best try <laughs> I'll imagine I'll imagine my four-year-old standing in front of me trying to get him to get it too. So that that'll be a yeah, we'll all audiences, right? We don't yeah, discriminate one way or the other. Email, though, by the way, so it's just not complete. His four-year-old is still better than her on <laughs> yeah. technology. Yeah. Oh goodness. Okay, so AI at at its core is about technology that learns and acts like a human would learn and act in certain situations. So if we feed enough data into a system and it learns from those interactions and those models over time, it should theoretically be able to start making decisions just like Ira would when he's trying to pick, you know, the route to take to work or just like Keith would when he's trying to pick a restaurant, like being able to consume a lot of data and make decisions, and make recommendations. Well, in the, the context that we're talking about here today, it should be able to look at a bunch of candidates and help you pick the best ones. It should help you to screen and assess and match people to jobs and do all those kinds of things. Some some cases it can do those things very well. Some cases not so much as I've uh, been been looking at technology over the last couple of years and watching the, the vendors sort of try to solve this problem. But uh, it's really an interesting, interesting kind of dynamic and, and fine. And before I forget, I've got a note on my, in my notes here. You guys are talking about the both the video piece and the recruiting. Let's come back to that later on because we have some cool research on that that I'll I'll share with you that, that you might find interesting. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because that's uh, that's been a big topic, and yeah. it was one of the things that I I did at Charm. I actually submitted the topic about how to use video. I, I think it was like 18 free tools you can use to to do video because people just aren't using it. And uh, but so much of that has changed. I mean, there, and I just uh, you were talking about the yep. the company that you spoke yeah, to yesterday from Israel. My my and, interview. Yeah, um, they've got yeah. some cool AI yeah. stuff and, in the and, works. Yeah, and and then I hear for what you were talking about, Ben. So we'll it'll be interested to see how we marry those two. So yeah. so with, with the AI being um, kind of a smarter version, I get it's not necessarily a smarter version of, of ourselves. It just processes information a lot faster. Am yes. I right? Yeah, and so, it doesn't forget. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Which means that we don't have to spend the time um, analyzing all the information, um, but it, it's how does it get applied, putting it into the context, still requires a human, which people don't, mm. and we're, we're pretty far away 
from that stage. Um, yeah, right? absolutely. So there are there are some examples of different companies using algorithms and automation that have gone to the very far extreme, um, like Amazon story that I tell when I'm trying to get people to understand just how far we can go with this. Amazon had actually built an algorithm a few years ago, and this is not the one that was in the news last year that everyone got up, up in arms about, about, about bias. But before that, they actually built an algorithm because they were really struggling, as you were talking about before the show, you know, right, as the show was kicking off, they were struggling to find technical talent in one of their markets. And they said, we've got to figure this out. So they actually built a tool where if Keith applies, it looked at his resume and says automatically, hey, Keith has a degree in engineering, or he's got three years at Google or three years at, at so-and-so company, let's give him an assessment. And it kicks out an assessment immediately. And Keith takes that proficiency test. And because Keith is super sharp, he passes the flying colors. The system would then immediately on the spot send out an offer letter to Keith at the current market rate without him ever talking to a recruiter, interacting with a hiring manager, no contact at all other than that interaction. And it freaks people out to hear that, but I use that as kind of an object lesson. Like we can go to the very scary, hairy edge of automating everything, but we know, we feel that like twins, like that's not a good thing probably. I'm willing to bet that they have people that made it through that process that were not a good fit. I don't know it's you, but in my years recruiting, I have seen resumes that didn't match the actual person that showed up, right? They're not the same Absolutely. thing that they wrote on there. And so it's a great lesson and, a, and an example to show that, you know, AI can do some cool things, but we need to really focus. And I think that in the next year or two, the big focus for us will be as employers understanding where to balance out the human, where to balance out some of the best things that AI brings to the table to help us get the best results. And, and again, that, it, and that was my topic, um, and um, I've been asked to redo it a number of times just as a webinar, you know, keeping the human in HR. Mm -hmm. and, and part of, you know, I, I think people, HR, a lot of HR people and, and just businesses sort of jump at that. It's like, oh, thank goodness somebody's talking about that. They're pushing back against AI. They're pushing back against technology. And that's not my point at all. My point is you need to embrace it, but embrace it diligently and vigilantly, if I can right. say the word, um, and, and be able to figure out where can it help us, but then where can we use our human judgment and, and things that AI doesn't have, empathy and compassion? How can we apply that? Uh, and to put it in context, as you said, there's probably people that uh, Amazon hired, um, but they, there was something that may have been odd, but the only thing AI can do is evaluate the data that it has. It can't put it into the context of the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm talking about, the, the value that AI brings and what to look for. So some employers actually have approached us in the last year saying, hey, we need some AI help for recruiting. And when I start talking to them, it, it actually boils down to we're having trouble screening or we're having trouble with assessing candidates, or we're having trouble with like the core fundamentals of recruiting that have been around for as long as we've been recruiting people for all right. of history, right? But now every, all the vendors are pushing AI this and AI that, and so the, the practitioners started kind of using that lingo. But when it boils down to it, we're looking at a real, just a fundamental problem, and sometimes the answer isn't AI. It's you have a, as I talked to a company two weeks ago, a 37-click apply process. Right. Um, you know what, AI... <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe we get some AI to coach you on how to not ever do that again. Like we'll, we'll find a way to do that. But the, the real solution there is just, just to streamline what you're doing. You didn't need AI. You didn't need anything else. And in some other cases, AI really has a lot of value. It has a lot of opportunity to not just automate things. Like we've been automating stuff again for a long time. No one's manually writing paychecks anymore, right? If you have more than two employees, you're not doing that. So automation has been around for a long time, but that's not all that AI actually is. It also has two elements that we're looking for when we're actually evaluating technology. Number one, is it personalizing this experience? Is it creating a slightly different or slightly tailored version of the experience that's different for Ira than it is for Keith than it is for, than it is for Ben? And if it's creating that little bit of personalization and making us feel like, hmm, you know what, I'm going through this process, this hiring process, just like probably dozens of other candidates, but it feels a little bit like they know me or they care about me or they're, they understand right. my situation or who I am or my motivations. Like that feels different fundamentally for a candidate. And the third thing we're looking for is what you were just talking about, Ira, that augmentation piece. The things that we are really great at as humans, computers are not very great at and vice versa. The things that they are phenomenal at, we either don't want to do it or we're not good at it. None of us ever got into recruiting because we said, I am so thrilled to get up in the morning and go look through a stack of 250 resumes and find the five that I want to hire. None of us ever said that, right? If you did, right. you got a problem, you know, get that figured out. <laughs> but for the rest of us, we didn't start out wanting to do that. And the tools can help us to get past those things that maybe we don't love as much. They're kind of robotic tasks anyway. We can focus instead on those things that are high value within the function to add value back to the business, like you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah. So, in relation to that, I, I just responded. There's, uh, you know, I subscribe to a service and they send a lot of questions out. And one of the questions was, what can employers do to stop, uh, to curtail ghosting by candidates? Mm -hmm. And my response was, uh, one is it was a trained response. Because uh, in 2015, um, almost four, well, four years ago, I published an article which got a fair amount of attention and was about why that companies have to stop ghosting uh, candidates and employees mm -hmm. because they still fall into this HR black hole, which is still a huge problem. And my suggestion was, is sure, there's people that don't have good ethics and, and morals, but the reality is, is they were trained to do that. So how do you stop ghosting candidates? Stop, or how do you stop... How do you stop candidates Being from ghosted? ghosting employees? Yeah. yeah, stop ghosting them first. Right, right. And it is, there's still this huge black hole. And you talk about even as something as simple as automating a thank you message or automating a progress note, yep. you know, of, hey, sorry, we couldn't get to your resume. We know it's been about a week. We're going to get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Um, nothing, just crickets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, last it kills week, me. Last yeah. week, Ben, we had Danielle Weinblatt, the CEO of former CEO of Convey IQ. They recently got yeah, just Monday. Yeah, they yeah, were bought out by oh, Intello. Yeah. And, and to and, think she didn't mention that on the on the podcast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 I'm not sure how familiar you are with Convey IQ, but what I love about their software is that they do that personalized communication with the candidates. And just for you know, just for shits and giggles, I can say shits on our own podcast, right? <laughs> Uh, for I would say it on CNN. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I applied and I enjoyed, like, there were gifts that came through my, t my, my mobile, right? Like, it was very, very fun and engaging. And it just blows my mind being, uh, I used to run a staffing agency. I sold software for recruitment marketing and recruitment ATS stuff. And it just blows my mind how hard it is to get people to accept that they need to change the way they run their recruitment yeah, team. Yeah, ben, everything. Well, screening, selection, you know, onboarding. 
um, you know, everything else. So, so Ben, there's a couple things. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being general artificial intelligence, that's where the robots take over our world. That's what people yes. fear. Yes. Um, you know, I, I guess, well, zero is nothing at all. Where, where do you think we fall right now? Because if, 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 if you took the, the average HR person or you took the average business owner uh, or executive and walked him through the Sherm Annual Expo, you would think that we're at a nine. <laughs> from, <laughs> from all the promotion marketing budgets are high my friend <laughs> yeah, they are, aren't they? so, so, we're, so where, where do you where do you think we are in this in this field because uh, again some of the things we're talking about is just basic analytics and and you know our companies are, are people throwing in just basic hardcore analytics a good spreadsheet and analysis not that i'm suggesting that's where you go um, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, if we only had AI, AI to fix this. Right. So. so I noticed you didn't define the zero. I'm going to throw it back at you. You didn't define where zero <laughs> is. All right. That's is that we're using now. papers <laughs> to try to recruit and it's, you know, you got a telethon and that's it. You don't have anything else. The Rolodex, because, the Rolodex for you guys. <laughs> so there we go. Taking us back. All right. Zig Ziglar and Rolodexes. You already hear. Yeah, you can get it on. Yeah. You, you guys have seen them on eBay. I, I used to have a couple on my o desk. Only on the geek skeezers and Googleization. <laughs> All right. So the thing is, what gets me is one of the, phenomena that I realized that I, that I learned about when I was researching the book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question, but hang tight. I'm going to get there. So one of the phenomena I ran across is this thing called the AI effect. And essentially it's a term that's used by AI researchers, people that have been developing this stuff for years, dozens of years. This is a brand new. We've heard a lot about it in the last few years because there have been some high profile things in the news. There've been some, some kind of uh, interesting angles and topics and people sharing this stuff out. But this, AI development has been going on for a very long time. Only now are the computers getting really uh, strong enough, you know, powerful enough to actually handle the, the processing capabilities. But this AI effect is what AI researchers call basically moving the goalposts on them. So let's say back in the, in the 70s, they say, okay, if you wanted to find a computer as intelligent, it has to be able to do A, B, and C. And so they will work towards that goal. They'll build a computer that can do A, B, and C. And people will come back and say, you know, that's really actually not analytics. That's just statistics and uh, probabilities. Okay, this is actually intelligence. Okay, so they're going to build that and they come back later. No, actually, that's not intelligence either. That's just uh, machine learning. Yeah, that's machine learning. That's not, a, that's not artificial intelligence. So they keep moving the goalposts on the AI scientists that develop these tools, smarter than all three of us put together, right, that are creating and, and working towards these, these end goals. And so I have a hard time saying how far along we are on that spectrum because if I say nine, you know, and next year something new comes out and different that we can't even foresee, that resets us back to one because we have so far to go. So I don't know that I have a specific number to throw out there at you. I'd say we're still very, very early. Definitely the marketing budgets, as I was joking a minute ago, but that tr truly is a, a real thing. So we, we actually- So we're closer to zero than we are to 10. Yeah. Right? Wherever, where, that. wherever that is. <laughs> I would say that for sure. So the, in the last few years, um, one of my good friends, George LaRock over at HR Wins, he's actually cataloged every single venture capital investment that has gone into the HR technology space, recruiting, right. learning, HR, like core HR, everything. And so we went through, actually our, our team went through, I didn't do this one, thank goodness this analysis would have driven me crazy, went through and looked at every single one of those funding rounds for 2017 and 2018. 
And what we found was that in approximately half of those funding rounds, last year it was a billion dollars to give you a sense of how much money is going into the HR space. Last year of that billion dollars, approximately half of it went into companies that were developing AI, machine learning, intelligent assistance, um, those kinds of things, those triggers for us that, that signify it's an AI-focused solution. And so about half that money is going into companies that are focusing on those things. And so that is naturally one of the reasons that we're seeing so much hype in the HR space and the recruiting space is because that money that's funding those companies is going into those marketing budgets. And they've got to tell someone about it, right? And so that's why we're seeing so much volume there is because that money is, is just flowing freely. So, you know, I guess we're going back, as you talked about this, is some of the basics. You know, I mentioned analytics before. Um, and, you know, most companies still seem to be stuck at that descriptive analytics. You know, it's like we get the spreadsheet. You know, let's get our numbers. Uh, let's get a new software program. Uh, oh, let's wait until AI can do this. And the reality is, is HR, you know, one is people don't have the data where they have the data and it's in, in multiple systems, but then even important things like uh, the interview. I mean, Ed, you know, the interview is still the most common, uh, most popular, um, uh, you know, method approach to, to hiring people and screening people. And yet there really isn't any good data. I mean, we'd have to digitalize that. It, 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 have you seen any improvement on that? I mean, so you know, there's, a whole, there's a whole piece of data missing. <laughs> It's funny because so many organizations are trying to get by with the the bare minimum amount of information they can they can get by with, right? Or you know this in the recruiting space, what are the numbers people want to talk about? They want to talk about time to fill or cost per hire, which are like they don't really care. They don't really matter to the rest of the business. So we've got to get past some of those those basic things. I'd agree with you there. The descriptive piece has, has hung us up. But I actually sat with a company a few weeks ago, and the entire conversation for the entire day before we did some training stuff with them, the whole day before they spent talking about how they were going to get SAP and how success, success factors are going to solve all their problems. And I have no issue with success factors as the company, but they were talking like, this is the Holy grail. It's going to solve everything. But today they're not gathering data. They're not, their processes right. today aren't set up to actually make decisions based on data. And so just having a system, even if it captures everything, which it won't, but even if it did capture everything by waving your magic wand, they still aren't using that stuff to make decisions. They still aren't using that to, to improve their their um, actions within the HR recruiting talent team. And so even if I could just snap my fingers and everybody had the data at their fingertips, most companies are not quite sure what to do next. And that's a curious point because I, you know, I've, focus from being in sales, I generally come from the buyer perspective. And what I know for sure, and I don't think I'm shattering any uh, uh, new new stereotypes here is that the people that run and work in HR are not really all that prepared for all this stuff. They're challenged in vetting software vendors, they're challenged in implementing, they're challenged in deploying, and they very few of them have tangible change management experience. You know, your focus on AI has me wondering, Ben, did you see anything from or learn anything from the other side of the coin as it relates to the people component too? And then what we'll do, maybe we're going to take a break here, but when we come back from the break, I'll we're, ask We're going to pick that up. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great segue there, Keith and Ben. Uh, so we are listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. We've got Ben Eubanks uh, from Lighthouse Research and Advisory. He's the author of Artificial Intelligence for HR, talking about the future of work, emerging trends, where we are on this journey. 
Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real Yellow Pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real Yellow Pages, YP.com, and YP.com on your mobile. Only from AT&T. What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization Show, powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let success performance solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at successperformancesolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Tiber Wolf. I'm here with Keith Compagna, and we got our guest, Ben Hubanks, talking about uh, artificial intelligence for HR. Um, right before we took the break, Keith, you asked the question. Yeah, I was curious because of my heavy involvement on the human side of, of buyers for HR technology. Ben, I was curious as, as you were writing your book, what did you learn in terms of the readiness? of the humans that are responsible for implementing, deploying, and managing change with HR technology. Are you seeing a trend with regards to the people inside of HR today? So it's interesting because that's actually one of the key reasons I wrote the book. Um, so many of the HR leaders I was talking to were like, hey, I've heard this stuff from a vendor, but I don't know what it is, or I'm not sure what to do. The, well, the vendor told me they, they're the only ones that do this, and so I want to, you know, we're going to buy that. And those kinds of conversations happen every single day, and I'm almost always like, just slow down. Mm -hmm. right? the, only people, the only people that regret their buying decision are the ones that go too fast or they don't get enough input on the inside, right, from the inside, inside the business, and they end up making the wrong decision or not thinking through it and everything else. And so... In general, I'd say there's a, still a lot of need and a lot of demand for HR leaders to be better at understanding the business, number one, get the business piece right, understand um, the uh, – actually, I heard the director – the HR director for Heathrow Airport. It's, it must be a UK thing. She says, know your onions. Maybe that's a, a, a British saying. I don't know. We're getting all the culture today, by the way. Nice. But um, she's like, know the business. Understand how your company makes money how you feed into that with what you're doing on the HR and recruiting side, how you make an impact to that. Because if you can't draw a line, your business leaders are not going to draw the line for you. 
So number one is really understand the business. But the second piece, like you said, the change management component, we take it for granted. We think it's easier. We think, oh, I sent out an email. And uh, yeah, good luck with that, that actually having the impact you want it to. Um, people are busier than ever. We've got to be more intentional and strategic than ever. We've got to, HR needs to be thinking like a marketer when you're trying to get a point across and get people to be sucked into the conversation and be excited about a change. And still, for a lot of them, it is an afterthought versus the thing they should be planning in advance. So that, which takes me back to what I mentioned before is this conversation with David, this video with uh, the interview, I think, uh, I can't remember, HR podcast, HR leaders podcast or something. Mm -hmm. I think that's David's, uh, David Green, uh, when he was interviewing Dave Ulrich, and he basically said HR technology is not about HR. Mm -hmm. It's about if you have a problem, if we have turnover, if we have a talent management problem, uh, if whatever the problem is, if our revenues are not going up, if we're having trouble with market share, HR's role should be to how can we help the company um, improve those numbers? And then what technologies or what approaches or what skills do we need rather than here's the skills that we need to do better at what we're doing, but you may not need those skills in the first place. <laughs> so, and, and, even, and, and they, it was interesting because here's two guys and, and, you know, we've, you know, and I'm a big analytics guy, you're a big analytics guy. Um, you know, we're talking about the importance of that, but in the surveys that they've done, they found that analytic people analytics is the eighth out of ninth driver for business outcomes. And part of the problem is, is the way it's applied. Not that you don't need the metrics and you don't need better analytics, but it's done to improve those things like you talked about, quality of hire, reduce the turnover rate, um, you know, reduce the cost of hire. But then it's how does any of that help the business? And you know, it's like, oh, we saved a little money. Okay, but did it grow revenues? Did it grow profits? Did it increase our market share? What what did employee engagement do? What does a higher score mean? And that that was that where that disconnect, mm -hmm. you know, was. So I, I I push everybody back to that. But on the other part of this, Ben, you you I, I think it, it sort of led into this. We talk about what are you know are is HR ready? Um, what are some of the and you're doing a survey right now. Uh, on reskilling, and I don't know how if that's related specifically HR or not, but maybe you can talk a little bit about where where we're going with that. So we've actually done the research on the reskilling. Uh, we're actually talking about doing a different, fo more focused version of that because we had just a positive response. But we earlier this year, same thing. Our tied in this conversation. The if we take the bait and we say, okay, this automation stuff is going to affect jobs to some degree, depending on, we don't know what it is, what the, what the actual impact will be. Lots of people are making guesses. And if you look at the headlines, it's terrifying, honestly. And so we wanted to dig deeper into that, understand how employers are responding and how the actual employees themselves feel about this and how they would want to learn. And so we did some, some research on reskilling. We found in the study is that 81% of employers, 81%, Right. It's hard to get 80% of people to agree on where to eat for lunch, much less <laughs> on some key thing like this. But 81% of companies said that the pace of change, disruption, technology, mm -hmm. automation, those things are going to require us to fundamentally reskill and change the jobs makeup of what our people are doing today in the future. So that's a, a big deal, number one. Number two, so we, we, we followed that path down logically and said, okay, what's it going to look like? What, 
cost-wise? What's it going to look like in terms of uh, the impact and things like that? Is it going to be more risky to reskill than it is to hire outside? And in the study, all the employers universally said, number one, not only is it less risky to reskill your people into another role, but it's actually cheaper to do that as well. Um, the, the estimates range because every job is different, but one of the numbers that came out of the study was about 50% of what the average pay is in the U.S. today, the average job wage, is about how much it would cost to reskill for one of those roles. And so we could hire someone else, right? We could cross our fingers and hope for the best. But a lot of research out there actually, you know, uh, Wharton study that I love to quote, they actually did some studies and found that for people who were hired outside the business into the company versus someone transitioning internally, that person costs up to 20% more, and they perform worse on average for the first two years on the job because they've got to learn the culture. They've got to learn the processes. They've got to learn all the key players, right? You're going to step in something when you're brand new as a leader and you just don't know what you don't know. And so there's a lot of value to be had in keeping the talent inside the business, trying to trying to focus on redeveloping them, reskilling them versus saying, uh, let's just get rid of those people and go hire somebody in the open market because – not just because that's more costly and more painful and it kills your employer brand and all those things, but because the conversation that you two gentlemen started out the conversation today with, companies are struggling to hire. This is not a surprise for anyone listening to this that has had to, rec- had to recruit in the last you know, year or two. Everybody's struggling with this, and if we can reskill versus dumping them in the street and trying to find candidates you know, brand new off the street, then that's, that's a better result. It's better. It's cheaper. It's faster. All the good metrics. Yeah, there, there was a. Um, yeah, I'm sure the Wharton one is more current, but I remember um, it's been out a while. But there was a Harvard uh, Business Review one, uh, an article. And I, they might have been quoting a study, so I don't know if it was the uh, HBR that did it. Uh, but they talked about uh, salespeople because you know they've been using that. That's probably the most benchmark position in history mm-hmm. is salespeople. What does it take to get good salespeople? And the the risk of hiring a top performer from another company it was a pathetically low number. I mean, it, it was single digits, I think, yep. uh, of how many people were brought in for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the failure rate was immense, like within 12 to 18 months, and I, you know, for that. I've, I've firsthand have seen that, and it blows my mind, and it just kind of maybe talks to the idea how difficult it is to get people to look at business the same way, like a different way. Yep. And uh, you, you pull in a, the top breed of a talent from a co- competitor, and you treat them the same way as you treat everyone else, and you give them the same yeah. format. Whereas you think if you're getting the star quarterback from another team, you got to make sure well, that it doesn't work in football either. Most of the time, <laughs> it's it really, sports. Well, yeah, there you have it, right? Yeah, it's, it's like Moneyball. I mean, it's right. going back to Moneyball. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so Ben, what are we're we're we got like about ten minutes left. Um, what are some of the the uses of uh, or how do, I won't say uses, but how do you think H uh, artificial intelligence or even advanced analytics, whatever we want to call it, is is going to be applied. What what are some of the best case scenarios that that you've seen, or best uh, you know uh, case studies that you've seen so far? All right, so I'm I'm making a list here because there's a couple good good ones, both within recruiting and actually. Last year, it was very heavy recruiting because that was the very first place where a lot of these companies landed, started targeting some of their tools. But there's actually more use cases now outside of just strictly on sourcing and matching. So a couple things. Um, Number one, a lot more happening on the assessments and the matching side, trying to match candidates up and trying to shortlist those kinds of things. One of the interesting trends that we've been watching is – 
about a year and a half, two years ago, HireVue, as an example, was just doing video interviews, but they built out their own assessments because they realized more employers are getting less comfortable just using a video interview as a an automated video interview even as the only way to look at someone as a potential candidate. So they, they actually started building assessments uh, at the end of last year. Um, Outmatch, an assessment company, bought WePow, a video interviewing company. This year, Montage and Shaker, video and voice interviews and assessments have merged. And so we're seeing a lot of those things because companies are trying to bring those pieces together to get better at both screening and assessment at the same time. What I'm hoping that leads to down the future is that screening and assessments are almost the same thing. We're using more than more data to actually assess candidates and pick the right person other than, you know, oh, this resume looks prettier than that one, or they use the right headline here, or didn't use it there, trying to get better at those things. So that's one. Um, one of the others that's interesting, we're seeing some actual voice interactions with HR technology tools. One of the case studies that I that I talk about in my in my um, my talks on this um, AI conversation is there's a company that has an HR team that's very distributed. They actually recently went through and were working through some of their analytics, their reporting, right, their data, and they realized they had something like 500 something reports, and they only regularly accessed about 20 of them. So it's one of those cases where someone asks a report and it becomes part of you know legacy forever. And so they actually now you show up on Monday, you say, okay. Um, Alexa, I need to know how many employees we have on maternity leave in this place, how many employees on leave on absence in this in this area. Okay, uh, make sure you email that manager with that information so they can they can follow up with those people and make sure they, they have their information. And they interact via voice with their HR systems and do some of those basic tasks, almost like it's an admin, an assistant mm -hmm. sitting there taking notes, taking tasks, doing work for them. So as before, they have to go through and run all these reports and then comb through the data and then try to figure out, okay, I've got to, now I've got to share this with this person, share this with that audience. It is all done via voice, and it takes them a fraction of the time to do that. And then the last but not least, um, natural language processing, there's some cool applications on the recruiting side, but we're actually seeing even more interesting stuff happening on the employer uh on the employee talent management side as well. So companies have been doing surveys forever, right? But the survey only, you only get the answers to the questions you ask pretty much, which that's logical, right. yes. Yep. But natural language processing can actually look at the sentiment and the mood of the text that employees write back to you. If you give them an open comment, tell me about your relationship with your manager, and they start saying, you know, Ira is hard to get along with, and I don't, he doesn't give me good feedback, and I'm not sure, you know, what our, what our uh, vision is for the team. Like, it will look at those comments and not only say, hey, this person's not happy, but also they're confused. They may be a little bit upset, and it can start to give you insights into those comments without having a human sit there and read through every single one of them. It's one thing if you have 50 employees, I can go through and look at every single comment. If I have 5,000 employees, there's not a chance of that happening. And in those bigger companies, if you're not average, you're not heard in an employee survey. And so having these kinds of tools that can look at the sentiment, look at the natural language, how we talk to each other and interact, the machines can analyze those things. And they're actually, we've, we've done some research. We're about to release the findings next month at the HR Tech Conference. We've done some research on this and found that the, the algorithms are even better than humans at evaluating those emotions and then making recommendations on what to do next. Well, because unless the algorithm has it, it was constructed from with a bias in it, 
um, it's really a third party right. looking at yes. that, and and it's tough to remove that unconscious bias. Which you know, a couple of months ago, um, I, I don't, are you familiar with OnGig, the yes. company OnGig? Yeah. So you know they, and I, I think you know I, I I'd like your opinion. You can give it on the air or not or off. Uh, but we had Rob as a uh, uh, Rob Kelly um, was was our guest a couple months ago, and I mean they're. There, whether the software does this, and I'm going to I'm going to assume it does because he's he's really a sharp guy, but what they're picking up in job descriptions, just you know, looking at words that that turn off, um, you know, your female candidates, your male candidates, and now there's this week there's a big article about LGBT mm-hmm. um, uh, Q, uh, and you know it was like how that not only is affecting that population but millennials and Gen Z. So the language that you use, which goes back to your question. You know, what are the questions that are being asked? How are they asking? Is there inherent bias in in those, implicit bias in those? You know, but then what what's the response from the people, uh, from from the uh, employees that are responding to that? Hey, Rob, we're coming up at the end of this party here, and uh, we'll definitely try to get ben, you back. Ben, you're, you're, oh, yeah, ben, Rob, you're, you're stuck. Ben. <laughs> sorry, Ben. Um, I just talked to Rob Kelly the other day. That's why. Sorry. Um, where can our audience reach you or get more insight uh, about the book and maybe even from Lighthouse Research yeah. and Advisory? Yeah. And if that, if like the, the reskilling survey or some of the yeah. other surveys are available, where, where can they get it? Absolutely. So all of our research is free. Obviously, the, the publisher wouldn't let me handle that with a book. So there, <laughs> that's not. But uh, you can find the book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere good books are sold. It's just artificial intelligence for HR. And if you Google my name, Ben Eubanks, you should find Lighthouse Research and Advisory. Um, and again, there you can search the blog. The the data we didn't get to on video in recruiting, right? We've done uh, research on assessments. Yeah, but we still actually have a couple – yeah, we've Lots got a couple stuff minutes there. there. Yeah, so can can you do like a two-minute summary on the video? <laughs> yes. Candidates do not want to see your company-produced video. How about that? That's the, mm-hmm. Let's boil that down. Um, we actually surveyed candidates to find out what sort of video they want to see, and they want to see hiring managers, actually. They want to see them two times more often than the company overview and ten times more often than they want to see something from us as the HR or the recruiters. In addition to that, the, the hire manager video, if we use video in that process to try to engage the candidate, that makes them 46% more likely to consider the job and 30% more likely to apply. Well, well, that fits perfectly because that's uh, actually my, in the fall, my, you know, I think in every presentation I'm doing, if, if it's not only on video, it's, it's part of the recruiting in the age of Googleization. And, you know, certainly saying, hey, you know, how simple is it for, for a hiring manager to pull out his iPhone and say, hey, thanks very much for applying. Excited to, for you to come in for the interview. Right. or excited for your first day. Right. Yes. Very simple stuff. No budget, zero budget, near zero training. No and time. yet can't get done. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because in the study, employers said, of all the options that we could put out there as far as video content, the number one, we think the, mo- the no- most influential and persuasive source is hiring managers, but only 3% of employers are actually using that. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Hey, we're wrapping up here, Ben. Last question for you. I love asking this question here on the show. You come back a year from now. What are we talking about? 
goodness, I'm a year older. We're probably still talking about Zig Ziglar. We're still talking about <laughs> we're still Zing. talking about all the other all the classics and all that other good stuff. Rolodexes. Yeah. You got to know where you come from. You, you know, know I told you, you, I told you that uh, some of the stuff has really changed in the last year, and I cannot wait to see what's what's up next in this space because there's been so much change even in the last 12 months. And all that, you know, half a billion dollars that's going in in 2018, those tools, those products they've been building are starting to roll out to the market today. And so there's no telling what we're going to see, but I'm really excited to be in the front row. Nice. Yeah. Well ben, deserved. Yeah. Uh, for, for those of you who are a little bit more, uh, we covered some of this, but we had a slightly different conversation two weeks ago on LinkedIn Live. You can go up to my uh, feed. Uh, we'll be putting the, uh, the link to that interview uh, up on this so you hear a little bit more about Ben. Ben, one more time, how can people get a hold of you? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Google's your friend here. Ben Eubanks, um, L-H-R-A. .io is Lighthouse Research and Advisory. We have all of our research out there for free. And again, the book is anywhere you want to get it. Um, love for you to check it out. Shoot me a note. Give me some feedback. Um, it's got five stars on Amazon. So um, I'm still uh, enjoying that ride. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. And uh, I've, I've got it here. It's, it's, it's on my desktop and continues to get highlighted. It's, it's now a, a, a yellow on white. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, um, Keith, any final words? No. Uh, Thank you very much, Ben, for coming on the show. This is really good stuff. Uh, for those of you listening out there, don't feel overwhelmed. This is not a all-or-nothing kind of idea. Take your time. I like you, like what you said to think about the decisions you need to make. Wonder what kind of impact they have. And HR, please don't wait for the disruption to come to you. Go to your operations counterparts. Go to your leaders and ask them what they think they need from you, and it becomes a whole lot easier. Yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, remember, HR technology is not about HR. So, mm -hmm. hey, thanks again, everyone, for for listening again to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. We're always interesting in hearing what's on your mind. Let us know how we're doing. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor, uh, you can contact Keith or myself on LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, you can go up to the website www geekskeezersgoogleization.com. We have all our previous shows up there as well. Uh, thanks again to Jobvite and Success Performance Solution for helping us be on the air. And don't forget to join us next week, Wednesday, uh, at Wednesday, every Wednesday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY.com. You can download the app as well, listen to it on your mobile devices, and we're on every possible podcast you can think of. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, Amazon, you, you name it, we're there. Um, so you can listen to this episode or any of the uh, previous episodes. Yep. We're up to 35 or 36, I think. So until the next week, uh, next episode of Geek Skeezers Googleization, this is Ira Wolf and Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Mm -hmm.